Welcome in to Beyond Mechanics. I'm your host, Ron Calloway, joined in by Jim Greco of Living Legends. Jim, what's happening, man? What's up, man? It's all good, man. I wanted to talk to you today, man. We got a good show. We're talking a lot about travel ball, and it's, this, is, this is right up your alley because you run a travel ball yeah. organization, Living Legends Baseball, and you also got Living Legends Softball here in Santa Clara. Look it up, livinglegendsbaseball.com. Good website. But check it out, Jim. So take me through the evolution of travel ball. Because when I first heard about travel ball, the way I thought about it was travel ball was for the elite player. So everybody wasn't playing travel ball. It was just the elite player. And they go play against a bunch of another group of elite players. Now it seems like everybody, any talent level there is, is on a travel ball team. Take me how it happened, how it started and where we're at now. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, realistically, I think how it happened is you started seeing, you know, the way it, it came from Little League originally, really. You know, it's it's the maybe the most talented kids that were in Little League. Um, you know, those are the kids that I think maybe we're looking for another level. Maybe. And, and here's the thing. Not all Little Leagues are the same. There's some really good Little Leagues out there. A lot mm-hmm. of them right mm-hmm. all across the country we we got some locally our our mm-hmm. santa clara little leagues we got some yep. sunnyvale little leagues really yep. good tons of talent there a lot of my kids play in those leagues and and maybe we've helped that you know as a travel ball organization which which i'll get to that later mm-hmm. um but as far as it goes is that i think those talented kids want to be challenged more and parent and parents were getting involved as well too like hey we don't like our little league and, and, and maybe they were at a bad little league, a little league that just doesn't have things together. Um, with the talent isn't there and their kids aren't being challenged and maybe that's making them not want to play or maybe it's making them, you know, want to quit because they're just not being challenged. Maybe not even really understanding, I guess, what the point of little league is all about. Um, I think some people have lost that, like, you know, little league is about your community. You know, that's the kids growing up in the community there. And and realistically, a lot of these kids are probably going to end up going against going to the same high schools. They're going to rival against each other at some point. Like, for instance, our kids that are playing this week, Santa Clara versus Wilcox. A lot of those kids grew up together, played in the same little league or played in the rival little leagues, Briarwood versus Westside. And that rivalry has been going on with these same kids for like the past six, seven, eight years whether it was, you know, Little League, Pony, and even Travel Ball, and they're playing each other in, in, in high school. And that's the community of Little League. And, and I think people are, 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 you know, unfortunately missing that, that it's about getting those kids together. And it's not necessarily about your kid being challenged and all that. If your kid's that great, let them go be great and, 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 and just destroy all the records in the, in the record book and all, because that's what that's, that's about. You know, that's when you start talking, oh, I remember back in 1980, we had a kid who hit 20 home runs and some kid this year broke that record, you know? So cool. That that's, that's what that's about. But I think what ended up happening is you started getting some, some dads, maybe even like me, you know, someone who was like really into baseball and kind of really understands it. Uh, maybe, maybe was a coach, um, maybe wanted to be a coach or whatever it was and just got a bunch of kids, you know, from some of these, these little league teams that their kids are playing on and kind of cherry picked, you know, a little bit what what kids they wanted to get got them together and started playing some some games and some tournaments on kind of evolve from there and then before you know it you got groups like uh norcal travel ball that's uh nctb is one of the uh programs out there that that runs travel ball tournaments sanctioned tournaments u sa is another one um all world or ncs that's another one locally that, that does uh, stuff locally. Uh, Perfect Game, they, they're they all around the nation now. They, they've they literally blown up like as if they're a minor league to the, the majors, you know, to some extent for travel ball. They do heavy, huge showcases um, where they got, you know, D1 prospects and stuff playing playing in their tournaments. So that's, it's evolved all the way to that. But I think it just came from a bunch of dads wanting to get their kids, you know, seeing the best, playing against the best more often. And, and so that started happening um, where maybe it, w- it was definitely smaller, but you had a lot of kids 
starting to play against each other that were talented. And then what ended up happening is, is I think everyone thought they could make a travel ball team. And that's kind of so felt like they were getting left out. Yeah. Yeah. Or felt like they were left out or, and because that's hap- that was happening too. I mean, I'll be honest, like when I first dipped my son into it, he was only seven or eight years old and we, we kind of jumped on to an already established eight U team and it was coach pitch. So this wasn't kid pitch or anything like that. The coach would go out there and, and pitch and it was like basically two ball. <laughs> it was a, t- a two ball tournament. You know what I mean? And uh, my kid went and checked it out. And for me, my kid wasn't mentally ready to handle tournament ball. But some of these other kids were. I mean, it was it was fun to see because I'm looking at it like, wow, look how these kids are competing. This is crazy, you know, and, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, you know how two ball works. Like, basically, you're hitting all day long. So it's lots of offense, lots of defense, errors, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it's very competitive. You know, you're having 20 to 15 games and stuff like that and just inside the park home runs and just, you know, tons of fun. Um, but my kid wasn't ready for it at eight years old. And um, and I just I seen that and I'm like, we got to do some more developing and stuff before we we get into it. And I think some people um, are going through that process, too, with their kids. Like, when should I get in the travel ball? And, um, you know, when should I start my kid? And, and it's really when you feel like your kid's ready or when your kid says he's ready, you know, like, hey. I want, I want to do travel ball. I want to get into it and take it to another level. But we had a lot of coaches that I think, um, you know, maybe they weren't allowed in, uh, you know, or whatever. Uh, maybe they didn't like their kid because it was a little clicky. It seemed like at first, like you had to kind of know someone to get onto a travel ball team. Um, you had to be kind of by, by referral only uh, type of thing. And then there would be maybe a little tryout for your kid or something like that. And if he didn't it's rate exclusive or yeah, yeah, it, it was very much that way when it was starting out. Um, but like I said, it just continued to blow up. More more of these uh, tournament directors came out. More tournaments were available, not just locally, but all over the Bay Area. Um, and you had even, you know, after that started happening, you had even teams like uh, La Mirinda is a very popular program out there that really kind of travels the country. And they're taking kids as young as, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old, 12 years old and playing in New York or playing in uh, Florida or, you know, Texas or whatever it might be. And these kids are going around and travel around. And these are like the, you know, peak of the peak, uh, best kids at those age levels going around and playing these tournaments and winning championships and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of their, that's their purpose. That's kind of what they're doing uh, with their program. And, and so they did something a little different because not all travel ball teams were doing that. A lot of travel ball teams were just maybe playing here at Twin Creeks, Maybe in Fremont, um, you know, there's Dreams Park uh, out in Manteca. Uh, that was a popular place, especially for the young kids, because they, they, uh, they got the fields out there that are replicas of like Detroit Tiger Stadium, Anaheim, Wrigley Field and stuff like that. So kids go out there and it, and it looks like a, you know, big league field and stuff like that. And so, you know, there was there's definitely fun things about the travel ball world that kind of made kids want to go play that route instead of maybe Little League where they're going out there. They're four for four. They're striking everybody out. They're laughing when they're doing it, you know, and, and they're just kind of running circles around other kids in their little leagues and stuff. And so this was a chance where, hey, now now I'm going up against the best kid in the Bay Area on the mound, you know, and he's throwing 70 miles an hour at 10, 11, 12 years old, which is really good, you know, for that age. And kids are throwing no hitters, one hitters or whatever it might be. And so, that, you know, that's what it what it really came down to is the, the higher level of, of talent uh, playing each other. Um, but again, now you got those people that are like, well, we want to be a part of that. And maybe, maybe my kid's not quite on that level yet, but we know if we get our kids involved in that kind of level, what's likely to happen is those kids are going to start playing better. When you're around more talent, when you're around better talent, realistically, you should get better um, because you're going to learn a lot from those kids around you, how they play, how they you you know, they play. Um, And it's not always just necessarily um, that they're just bigger and stronger and all that. Sometimes it's not, I, I, there's some little kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old and they're the smaller kids on the team and they just rake. I mean, I had a kid in my program uh, that played for me for about four or five years. And this kid was hitting between four and 500 uh, between, you know, 10 and 13 years old. And he was a great little second baseman, dope, you know, dope on defense, wasn't hitting bombs, but just base hits, doubles, 
gappers, oppo, you know, just, just hit really, really well. And, um, you know, and there, there was all kinds of kids like that, but they, they were competing against each other. That's just, uh, you know, that's what it really came down to was the competition level that I think everybody was seeking. Um, and then that's why you lost some kids out of little league is that they went and they went and did that. And was kind of like the grass is greener over here. We ain't going back to that. And that's where you started to see these little leagues start to suffer um, because a lot of really good players, which you need in your little leagues, you need those really good players because that's what the other guys are aspiring to be. The, the younger guys that are trying to grind and learn the game and all that, they're trying to aspire to be. You take those kids away from that. Well, now you have maybe average or below average kids playing with each other with below average coaching and that's no disrespect to anyone specifically, but it's that's kind of what happens. You take the best coaches and best kids out of a program. What are you left with? It, it, it's it's not going to be good. You know what I mean? Um, and especially if your league wasn't really recognizing it and trying to make it better and fix it instead of, you know, a lot of people just made excuses. Oh, travel ball stole all our kids and it is what it is. You know, instead of trying to figure out, well, you know, why did they leave in the first place? You know, and, and can we fix some of the things that made people leave and go do this um, and get them back into our league and and make it possible? Also, you know, I've said this before, you know, all baseball needs to be available to everybody. And to me, if you're playing travel ball, you should still be able to go play in your rec league at the same time. You should be doing that, um, especially during baseball season, spring and summer. Play as much baseball as you can. You know, that's that's the time to do it. That's when the weather's the best. Um, that's when everybody's playing. Um, that's when all the best talents usually out there, um, everyone should be playing, but, uh, there was a lot of, you know, oh, little, little league sucks because they're, you know, they're not challenging my kid and oh, travel ball sucks because they're taking all our kids, you know, a lot of finger, a lot of finger pointing and stuff instead of just really actually trying to fix the problem, um, God. for everybody, which is something, you know, I know me and you are trying to do That's why we're reaching out to these little leagues and trying to get in there and help them. Um, if we can, you know, help make their leagues better and do camps and stuff like that to show them other ways um, to make their league stronger and better and yeah. keep kids in their league. Yeah. And, you know, for the people listening, because I know everybody listening is not part of Living Legends. But if, if you're in the Bay Area and you're associated with a little league team, don't hesitate to DM me or Coach Jim. Give him give him your uh, Instagram handle, Jim. Uh, yeah, that's Coach Jim 22. Hit Coach Jim 22 or hit me at uh, at beyond underscore mechanics. If you want us to come out and perform, put on a free all skills clinic free to all your your, your leagues. We understand what, what little leagues are going through. But Jim, part of that is the lack of regulation on what travel ball organizations can and can't do how much they can and can't play how much they can and can't practice see there's all these regulations in little league that make it yep. difficult to put in all these repetitions so now the lack of regulation and the low barriers to entry like anybody can be a travel ball coach anybody yep. so with all this lack of regulation anybody can be a coach all these teams out here man how's a parent supposed to pick what travel ball team they put their kid on? How are they supposed to know? Well, and and that's honestly, that's one of the reasons, again, too, why travel ball took off is because of that. You know, obviously in Little League, unless you're playing pony, but in most Little Leagues, you can't lead off, you can't pick off. You know, there's elements of the game that you can't do. But in travel ball, it's real baseball. You know, Hold on a second, playing- Jim. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't even realize that. Okay, so you can't lead off. So, so t- tell the people, because I, people don't know, you are a travel ball organization owner, but you also were heavily involved in the Little Leagues for over a decade. Tell the people yeah. what's the purpose of not allowing the kids to lead off, because I don't know. So, I mean, ultimately, understand that Little League is huge about safety, right? They're huge about safety, um, and a lot of what – is controlled with little league is a is around safety you'll always get some kind of safety answer about why certain it's why the bats they, they've got these bats now that they got to use uh these usa approved bats it's the only bat you can use for little league it has to be usa approved and these bats 
over the course of time, I mean, I tell my kids now, swing a Woody in, in, in Little League. Don't even swing one of these bats because it's a waste of your time and money. You're going to spend three, $400 on one of these bats. You hit the ball and it barely gets through the infield. I mean, it sounds like crap and the ball don't do anything. But just three, four or five years ago or whatever, I mean, we had bats that were just wow. You know what I mean? Like you, you bunt the ball to the fence. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're, they're that good. So, look, and, and I'm not lying. I mean, th- we had, you know, kids were just hitting bombs with these bats. But I, I, again, isn't that what was fun about Little League? You know what I mean? What was fun about Little League was that. But some kids somewhere got hurt. Some kids somewhere uh, got hurt. And uh. that changed all the rules. And that's where what you're talking about regulations is everything they do about Little League is about trying to regulate it and keep it controlled and keep it as safe as possible as well. So, it, you know, leading off and, and not being able to steal or, or if you can steal, right, you have to wait, you know, for the pitcher to deliver the ball and the ball has to get to the plate and then you can take off. A lot of it's just safety and it's just kind of some of it's just really stupid rules. Because the other thing, too, is you would have to teach kids how to pick off. You would have to teach kids how to lead off. Um, you know, I, I get it. It can be very overwhelming, especially if you're just a parent that's stepping in to try and help because your league doesn't have enough uh, coaches. And, and this happens all the time. A lot of leagues don't have enough coaches. Our, our league over here at Briarwood that I was at for, uh, for 13 years, many of those years, I had to almost beg people to come be a coach and help out because we got a team of kids. I don't have a coach for it. Can someone on this team step up and get another parent and, and, and take it over so they can play. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about getting these kids being able to play mm. and let's try to teach them as best we can. Now, the one thing with me, though, is I understood our situation that we had we have parents and we had coaches that needed some coaching themselves. They needed mm. some direction. They needed to even understand, what do I do the first day I'm out there? You know, so I had put coaching clinics together in our league and we would have a meeting every so often um, but definitely right before the season would even start where I would talk to them and let them know hey when I ran a team here's what I would do and this would be what I would suggest and it's just about having a parent meeting getting everybody together getting them on the same page let them know how you want to run things let them know where you need help with um, you know let them I'm looking for two more parents to help and step up and help me run this team so anyone's interested let me know you know those kind of things so that way at least Parents will kind of understand the situation a little bit too. Like, oh, dang, we got a coach that don't know anything. Hey, that's going to happen. That's, it, it happens in the league. You just got to deal with it. But your kid can still go out and have, have a fun experience, a good experience, if everybody's all in and, and, and pulls together and tries to make that team better amongst all the parents, just being helpful with the coach. If you know the coach has a hard time coaching, you're going to make it harder for him. And, and screw all the kids over or are you going to try and help that coach do his job better you know um so so there's stuff like that but I, that that's a whole nother thing about you know trying trying to help the coaches in little league and all that kind of stuff but kind of back to the travel ball thing uh really the leading off and stealing bases and playing real baseball and first and third situation, just all that kind of stuff. It's better at the travel ball level. You know, it's just, it's more like baseball out there. And, and that made a lot of people obviously really want to go that route. And then you have, um, you know, you had a lot of parents that right now they're trying to figure out, especially after this pandemic, where's my kid going to go play ball, you know, after, after the season's over and they, they got some things to consider, right? Like, yeah, we want to do travel ball. I think my kid's ready. Um, you know, there's a lot of travel ball teams out there now, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't when I first started, there was like one local travel ball team. And like I said, and it was like literally one team, like an eight U team. There wasn't a 12 U and a 14 U and a 16 and 18 U. It wasn't all, you know, I might've had to travel to go find one of those teams. Right. Hey Jim, Um, just like when we were kids, I'm going to be able to hear you. I got to help my daughter real quick. Keep talking. I can hear you though. Go ahead. All good. All good. Yeah, the, just like when we were kids, there was no travel ball for us, right? A travel ball for us was going out into the front yard and, and playing wiffle ball uh, after our games and stuff like that. So, um, 
you know, I might've got into some sort of travel ball type thing when I was about 16, 17 years old, there was some coaches out there uh, that were kind of picking up kids and taking them places and, and playing games and, or double headers or something somewhere. Um, but that's all, that's all we really had when we were younger, but it's, it's completely evolved now where you literally can just, it's like going to the grocery store. You got tons of options. And the problem is not all the ingredients are on the packaging telling you what's inside. And <laughs> That's where you're having now you're having parents who are just something looks good. It's a nice wrapped package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. great. And you're just like, yes, that's where I want my kid. That's where I'm going to take my kid. And I'm gonna go there. And everything you thought it was going to be is not what it was going to be. It's, it's not what happened. Whatever the coach was promising you or telling you it was going to be. It ain't that whatever it is, whether it's where they practice, how they practice, who's coaching their kid how many kids are on the roster. I mean, there's tons of there's tons of questions that parents need to be asking. And hopefully we'll be able to get through that today. And I can I, I want to bring up a lot of stuff that, that parents need to be considering and thinking about um, that I don't think they always do. And I know for me, when I do meet a parent and the kids trying out for me for the first time, I pretty much break them down, a, you know, a quick bio about us real quick as far as what we do, you know, and, and a lot of it's about the mentality we're looking for that you as a parent, and I know I've discussed this before, but you as a parent should be able to just come out here and watch your kid have fun. You know what I mean? And, and be learning what we're supposed to be teaching and you're trusting our process that you brought your kid to me for a reason. You thought this was right for him. So let me do my job because I do know what I'm doing and I told you what I'm going to do and I'm going to back up what I said I'm going to do. And if you feel like I'm not doing what I said I was going to do, let me know. We'll talk about it because at the end of the day, we both want your kid to be successful. You know, I want your kid to be successful because obviously that's going to make my program look like it's doing what it's supposed to do. And you're going to get to see your kid go do the things that you're hoping he's going to be able to go do. And the kid's going to go do what he wants to do. So that's that's the whole goal behind, you know, explaining all this stuff. But a lot of programs, you know, the fast talking parents and, you know, and, and even to the point, I mean, some of these programs, they get real desperate. You know, they they don't want a player to go to my program or someone else's program because they heard, oh, you're going to try out for three other teams. Oh, man, because sometimes parents will tell you, hey, we're trying out with you today, but then we're going to go here and then we're going there in a couple weekends. We'll let you know what we decide in a few weeks. They're, they're kind of trying to tell you what they're going to do. And, you know, with me, I kind of have like, hey, once I've tried you out and I've decided you're, you're a good fit for us and we've talked and had a conversation. I'm, I'm trying to close the deal like this week. Like I need to know by Friday, let me know by Friday. Cause otherwise I got to move on. Cause I got other kids that want to try out and I got usually only a few holes to fill anyways. You know, I don't have a lot of uh, turnover in my program. Yeah. So if we lose a kid, he probably moved or, or, or something like that usually happened. We don't have like disgruntled kids or parents and stuff like that in our, in our program. And, and part of that is because we, you know, our quality control, is on high. We're always making sure that everything we're doing is like what we promised, you know, and, and parents are able to do what we said. You can just come to the games and have fun, record your kid, you know, and, and enjoy the other parents or go sit down the sideline by yourself and be that guy. You know, if, if you want to just be alone and watch the game, cool. You know, no, no one's making you have to I'm do that guy. Or anything like that. I'm that yeah, guy. And, and that, just and because funny. I don't want to get in I, your way. Let me stand way over yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, and, that, and that's good. You know what I mean? Like, we we don't care. We let people be in their own lane. Just let me have your kid when he's with me. Don't yeah. don't be sideline coaching. Yeah. Don't no. be trying to give them tips. Because whatever you're telling your kid through the fence or yelling at him about is changing my coaching strategy as yeah. you talk to your kid. Yeah. Because now I got to go coach him out of what may be wrong you told your kid. Yeah. Or we're discussing something totally different right now. And now your kid's thinking two, three different things. And he's right. going up to the plate with the game on the line. You know, So that I don't have to deal with that much. Our, our, our parents are exactly what I love them to be. And that's just fans. They're fans. They're supporting the team. They're supporting the, the whole team. They're supporting the coaches, letting us coach. And, and that's what this should all be about. Um, 
and our and our players can just have fun because they know they're going out there and they're just playing the game. And yeah, they're getting coached up. Yeah, they're getting yelled at. Yeah, they're you know they're they're learning lessons out there and stuff. But that's what they're that's what's supposed to happen. And uh, it's not always going to be you know happy faces and and balloons and and sunflowers and shit. You know what I mean? Like it, sometimes it's bad days and it's rough days or whatever. But that is the game. You know, it's this game isn't always going to be fun every single day you go out there, or it's not going to be easy every day you go out there. And sometimes people want everything to be easy and fun and go their way. And my kids should always be at shortstop and this, that, yeah, and the other. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing, like, you know, I have, I have one of the best shortstops in the area who's played in my program since he's 10 years old and he's at our high school. Now he is a dope shortstop, but he's literally learned. He learned how to play third base at an all-star level shortstop at an all-star level, second base at an all-star level, catcher at an all-star level, pitcher at an all-star level, and center field at an all-star level. And what happened, what I see happening with some other teams and stuff is people go, my kid's a shortstop. So he should be playing shortstop all the time. And they go to these places and sometimes they find out their kid's not the shortstop or you got this daddy ball stuff that everyone's heard about. And we'll, we'll address some of that, I think, at some point here, too, um, because that's a whole nother ball of wax. But there are those coaches that like just play either whether it's their favorites, their kids, whatever it is, they play them at those shortstop pitcher, catcher, center field, those those main prime positions. But they're not actually good enough for those positions. And there's two, three other kids on the team that probably could or should be playing those positions. That's what people are talking about with daddy ball. Um, because you do have a lot of dads out there. I mean, I'm a dad. I started my program as a dad coaching my own kid, the first team in my program. That's my son's on the team, but he learned the game the same way everybody else on the roster learned, learned the game. He was on the bench as much as anybody else. What kind of questions should the parents ask to find out what travel ball team they should play for? Because there's, there's so many choices. Like what, what should be at the top of the list of priorities when you're considering travel ball team? Top of the list is for me is going to be like, how are you going to develop my kid? How's your mm. development work? What are you guys trying mm. to work on? What kind of coaching do you have? Do you have a pitching coach, hitting coach? Who are those guys? What's their background? Um, you know, and, and, and even if I don't know who the guy is or anything, I, I can make calls. I can call people and find out. And that's what we should do. We should, any, any friends we know that might already be in them, find out what, what are the good and bads that you, you know, dealt with with this program. But let's say you don't know anybody. Nobody knows who these guys are or anything like that, but you liked what the tryout was or whatever. Yeah, you got to, well, what are you going to do to develop my kid? And if, I, if I'm coming at you saying, well, hey, you know, when I tried out, I told you he's a shortstop and a pitcher. How many shortstops do you have in your program? You know, if, if it's me answering, I'm going to say I got a lot of shortstops in my program. And, but they all learn how to play other positions because I know when they go to their high school or college, they may not be the shortstop there might be a stud right in front of them. So we're going to develop them to be able to play multiple positions. And also we're going to make sure that we don't burn kids out because we're going to teach a lot of kids how to pitch. If your kid's a pitcher, he doesn't have to pitch every single tournament or every single game. You know, he, he doesn't need to get stretched out to his max. Mm -hmm. Now we can save his arm. And how about what if he just had a weekend where he got to play shortstop all weekend and didn't have to pitch, didn't have to have a sore arm at shortstop and have to make throws all, you know, all weekend and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff people don't think about or really even understand what we're doing with our kids out on the field playing these tournaments, how much abuse they kind of go through and stuff like that. Um, and, and when I say abuse, I'm talking about just playing the game. The game is abusive. You know, it's a, it's a tough game. If you got bean three times this weekend, you pitched eight innings and played catcher, you know, or whatever too, for three games of, of four or five games, and you're batting three, four in order, you had a long weekend. You know what I mean? You probably are pretty dinged up come Monday. So people don't really understand, you know, what, what all goes into it, but people, you know, right away, oh, I want to make sure my kid's playing every inning. It's like, man, sometimes you got to understand, I know your kid needs a break right now, you know, or he needs a breather. And so I want to see if, if the coaches have that kind of care and thought process um, as far as about the players, how, how he handles, you know, putting kids in and out of the games, you know, what, what's your weekend look like on Saturdays? Do you play all the kids? Does everybody play and get it and you move guys around and you just get people their reps on Saturdays. And then when it comes to Sundays, 
and you know it's one and done, where if you lose, you go home, um, how do you handle that? You know, does the lineup get tighter and you just put the best nine out there and, and then you'll, you'll try and get the other guys into the game if you can and stuff like that. And, uh, and that's kind of, that's, that's how we do it. And, um, and it, it's, it's somewhat of a model out there. There are other programs that do similar things like that out there. Um, and I think that's the right way to go about it, but there are some out there that are just literally, I mean, it's a mess, you know, it's, it's all over the place. So I got to find out how you're going to take care of my kid and, and the other kids and how you're going to develop them. Are you going to give them opportunities to, to learn other things um, and how the coaching is going to be? And then I also want how many kids are on your roster? You know, mm -hmm. how many kids mm -hmm. is my kid got to compete with? Because at the, at the end of the day, you know, there, I think that a lot of people think a lot of things on this. It's like you, you want your kid to go out there and have to compete for a job. You, you do want that, you know, but at the same time, you also need your kid playing because at 10, 11, 12 years old, they should not be sitting the bench every weekend and getting one or two at bats and playing the field for three innings in four or five games. If that's what your kid is doing at 10, 11, 12 years old, I think you're in the wrong program. You got to go somewhere. And, and I understand, maybe your kid's not ready. Maybe, mm -hmm. and maybe that's what it is. So maybe we need to wait a little longer. Maybe we need to go get a hitting coach. Maybe we need to go see uh, a pitching coach first and let's, let's get dialed in and get certain things better before we go join a team that's demanding that much of me where I got to be that good. You know, if you're going to a team where, Oh, well, the team's talented. It's a great team. And, and yeah, you want to be around talent and it should make you better. But if you're that far away where you're not getting any kind of playing time or anything like that, I'm a little worried about that situation. And that's sometimes just asking about how many kids you got on the team. Now, if a kid is in that situation, Jim, explain why that team would even want that kid on there. If he's not playing, he's not contributing to the team's success. Why do they keep, why do they want that kid on their bench? I love to beat around the bush and make excuses for it or whatever, but the majority of the time it's about money. The majority of the time it's about adding another 400 <clears throat> or $500 to, to your monthly fees. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, I'm just being honest. This is real. That's, it's yeah, really yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. It, it's, it's really going on. Um, I purposely don't do it um, mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. I, first of all, I don't want to deal with having 15 kids on the roster. That's just too many <laughs> kids to try and get in. It's too many kids to try and get in and get them their playing time and keep everybody happy because at the end of the day, you are trying to keep people happy. Yeah. The, the kids want to play. They don't want to sit the bench. No parent wants to show up and spend, I mean, what's it going to be? It's going to, every game is around two hours or so and five games, right? No one wants to, and plus the traveling there and back and some, you know, some of my kids are driving an hour or two hours to come play with us, you yeah. know, or whatever it might be. So there's a lot of investment into this mentally, physically time. Um, and, you know, some parents are working while they're out at the field, you know, at practices and games and stuff like that. There's just a lot that goes into this mm -hmm. to be sitting on the bench, not playing, not getting developed, being overpromised, underdelivered, and all those kind of things because they want to make some extra money to help pay for whether it's more coach, whatever it is. It don't matter what they're right, doing with the money. Right, right. The fact right. is, they didn't need the 15th player whether he was really good or not, because either one is if he was really good, like really good, you, you know, just a kid shows up out of nowhere. You already got your team together and then boom, some kid just moved here from Texas and he rakes. You're like, Oh my gosh, what do we do with him? I mean, for me, and, and you can ask Antoine this, I've had, I've had plenty of tryouts where I got extra kids that like, I just don't have room for, but I think they could play ball somewhere. And I've hit Antoine up and be like, dude, I got like three, four kids that, I just don't want to maybe hand them off to somebody else. You know what I mean? I'd rather hand them to you because I know that I know you're going to coach him and I know you could probably use a couple extra ball players. and he's Jim, send them over, you know, and then boom, I email. And so we got to, you know, we have a good little, little work together kind of thing. I, anyone I'm, I'm friends with like that in the travel ball, you know, industry, I'm, I'm working with them like that. I'm trying to help other people out. I don't need to hoard players, you know, and, and, and some organizations are doing that. They're just, we got more kids coming in, more money rolling in, and they can do more with the money, which is awesome. But at the end of the day, the kids are hurting from it. And, and that's why roster is important to me. I want to, how many kids are you going to have on this roster? And if it's 12 or 13, I'm good with that. I'm fine. I'm sick. 
There's always a kid hurt, um, a kid on vacation, um, a, you know, whatever it might be there. Sometimes you only have 10, 11 kids, you know, in the weekend. And if you got 10, 11 kids showing up, they're all playing, you know, and yeah. through the course of three to five turn, uh, tournament games, you might play on a weekend. Um, kids are getting tired or burnt out or need a break or whatever and stuff too. And it's perfect. Cool. Johnny, get in the game, you know, Hey, have a seat for a couple innings and, and go get some Gatorade, go to the bathroom, whatever, you know what I mean? Go take a breather and, and come back refreshed, ready to go, whatever it might be. Or let me get my catcher out from behind the dish in this game and get somebody else, especially if we're up 15 to nothing or something. You know what I mean? Like things like that, you got to make adjustments. You got to make adjustments on the fly and give some kids some chances to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's a huge thing to me is, is how people handle their roster. And, and uh, you know, our kids locked into positions because I don't really like kids being locked into positions. Like I see that a lot in the softball side of travel ball. Like I see, if you go look online at some of these tra- travel ball companies, um, they're, they're posting, looking for a pitcher this weekend. I saw that. Know, I've seen that. L- looking for a center fielder, <laughs> you know, or whatever, or looking for a sh- – a shortstop and I'm like but you're not looking for a second baseman or a third baseman or a or, or a kid who's just a really good kid who can play all positions or nothing because hey. you already have your third baseman your second baseman and your left fielder and you don't want nobody coming in to compete or push those kids yes because you know why maybe the sometimes the coach that's their kid yep. and they don't want to get their kid get replaced or or you know have everyone questioning that like dang that kid should be maybe playing shortstop we need, you know, your kid need to move over to second base or maybe needs to go to the outfield or whatever right. it might be. And some people don't like dealing with that. I thought travel like was about competition, though. It's supposed to be about competition. But then that that's that little bit of daddy ball thing that everybody talks about where you got kind of like that favoritism stuff going on. It's um, natural. And you got, yeah, and you got kids locked in. Look, I understand, like, my situation, you only got one catcher. <laughs> that kid's going to catch. You know what I mean? Um, but for me, when I'm hosting tryouts or telling people to come try out for me or whatever it might be, I'm asking what positions you play because I'm just curious where you're most likely comfortable with when I start with you. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? But by the time I'm done working with you, you should be able to play almost anywhere, depending on what your limitations are. You know, but even with me, at practice, I got some of my lefties go to shortstop and take ground balls at shortstop and, and play shortstop. Yeah. And they're 10, 11, 12 years old or whatever. And you know what? When, when I had um, when I had a little league team in majors, which is mostly 10, 11, 12 year olds uh, on that team, I had a, uh, one of my studs was a shortstop and pitcher. He was our ace this year. And when he would pitch, one of our really good athletes was left handed. He was my shortstop. He was my shortstop when that kid was pitching because honestly, he was the best fielder. He could turn the double play. No problem. Like he, he didn't have the limitations that some lefties might have from shortstop, but to me in little league, it's okay to do stuff like that. You know, if that's the best guy for the position, give him a shot. You know what? Why are you so afraid of it? It's why I got a left-handed catcher starting it for an NAIA team uh, in, in Los Angeles for, for, uh, for HIU out there. Yeah. He, he's a starting catcher left-handed and he's yeah. throwing guys out and he's yeah. batting in the heart of the order and he's yeah. balling out there and he got yeah. called up the varsity. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I'm not saying every lefty in the world needs to be able to play short stop right. and catch and all that stuff, but I'm just saying we, we kind of need to take the limitations off of kids and let them, you know, at 10, 11, 12 years old, you don't know what you want to do at all. Just like we talked about when you're in high school, you don't even know what you want to do. You think you might know what you want to do, yeah. but you really haven't discovered yourself as a ball player yet. Uh, you're still figuring that out and and learning, you know, what you're going to become and all that kind of stuff. So why are we doing it to the young kids? You know, we should be definitely the development yeah. piece, <laughs> the development <laughs> piece. That's yeah. it. Hey, I grew up. I was an outfielder for those clubs. <laughs> I wasn't a center fielder. Did you I'm ever get to play anywhere else? Did you ever, did you ever get to play anywhere else? Yeah, I played all of them. First base, or I played first base. I pitched. I caught. I played left field, center field, right field, shortstop, third base, every position on the field. DH, first base coach, all of that, all of that. I was an <laughs> outfielder in the big leagues. I wasn't a center fielder. I wasn't a left. See, when I see that stuff on these these, these Instagram posts, I see that ten U team looking for a third baseman. You're not looking for an infielder. You're looking for a third baseman. Now I get it. So with all that kind of stuff going on and people are running their teams that way, 
are they running their teams that way to win tournaments or are they running their teams to win to, to, to develop players? Which one's more important, developing players or winning tournaments? And, and why is it that some of these teams only care about winning tournaments? And that's a funny one because, you know, when, when I started my program, we, you know, I, I got, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of kids want to play for me. So mm. that, that was huge. I got lucky to some extent. I had a lot of good players that wanted to come play for me. They still needed development. They were still only 12 years old, <laughs> you know, so it's not, we're not talking about college players came my way. We're talking about kids, kids came my way, kids playing little league, want to play travel ball, been, maybe been playing some travel ball. I might've already coached them a little bit in travel ball world for some other teams I was coaching for. And now Coach Jim has his own thing and they want to come play for me. So I got lucky we had some talent come my way, but we had to develop. We had to, we had to get the team chemistry. We had to figure out what, what's the, line, the best lineups here. But we always went with who was hot. You know, it, it wasn't always the same guy. We had 12, 13 guys on this team that really were all really good in their own way. You know, uh, there, there was kids that were just tearing it up every weekend. There was kids that were horrible for a weekend. And it had a great weekend. And so we had to figure out who was best where and move guys around. But like I said, on those Saturdays, man, almost every kid played multiple positions still, you know, and we were still winning. There was weekends we went undefeated and won tournaments that I batted all 13 of my kids through every single game. So we went either 4-0 and 5-0 and and I batted all 13 kids all weekend. Because I was like, hey, we've already won some tournaments trying to win those tournaments. You know what I mean? When I say trying, means we were very analytical. We were really trying to put the best guys in the right situation to win. And we did it and we won. Now, I almost want for us to win. And I'm going to make sure all of my pitchers throw this weekend. And I'm going to make sure everybody hits. And we, and we went and won. We didn't do that all the time. This isn't something that we kept doing. It, it, it took time. It took time for us to develop that ability to do it. And it took everyone being hot. You know, everyone had to be hot that weekend. And when we looked at that particular weekend, we looked at it and we're like, dang, the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys tore it up. Some of them just had great weekends. I think the, the MVP was the 12 hitter, you know, or whatever and stuff like that. So, you know, things like that were going on. And then when we did that, it's a few guys got moved in the batting order the next weekend. Because mm. some guys were hot at the bottom and some guys were not at the top and we moved it around. So it was constant adjustments for us that we kept throwing at the kids that kept them locked in because they couldn't get comfortable in one position or being in one spot and just knowing it's theirs. There was always a, po a potential that if I had a bad practice week or a bad tournament last weekend, I was going to maybe get moved, you know, or something might happen. So it, it kept the fire lit you know, underneath their butts. And it's why those kids that I had at the time, we were able to compete for a very long time. Like we had a nice, really two and a half, almost three year run with those guys where they, they won ridiculous amounts of tournaments. Um, and it was uh, a lot was the talent. A lot was, they developed a lot together and they loved playing together. Our family environment, you know, everything was great. The coaching staff was on point. You know, I had two, three other coaches that were assisting me, but they played their role. They knew when, hey, coach, do you want, you know, the right fielder where he's at right now? Hey, no, actually move him over left, you know, or whatever it might be. Like we just, everything was in sync, you know, and um, there was a routine that's always, you know, same routine, same everything. It's, it's just like if you showed up to the ballpark, you had a routine, I'm pretty sure of what you did every single day of the season and it was the same and if you went four for four yesterday and you had a ham sandwich before the game you probably had a ham sandwich again the next day you know or whatever it was it was getting into routines and stuff and so we, we we did that um but again you got teams now that are out there that are literally here's what they're doing they're going to other teams or they're throwing they're having tryouts or whatever it is word of mouth however they're getting players to show up to something they might even be cherry picking. And when I say cherry picking, they could be going to other teams, checking out their players, figuring out how they get contact with a certain kid and inviting them to some special team, some elite team that's going to go do some other magical shit. Right. And they're just going to go get a bunch of ball players that are the best of all these other travel ball teams. 
and try and make a team out of it and just go win a bunch of stuff and brag and talk about how great they are and all that stuff. And really at the end of the day, all they did was just made an all-star team and went and won, which you should be able to do. You know, the travel ball teams for the most part, ever since I started my program, yeah, I had the nice run at the beginning, but after that, I still had to build my program for longevity. And mm-hmm. in order to do that, that's where I had to start with the eight, nine, 10 year old kids and, and get younger Well, my other teams were moving up to 14U and 16U and stuff like that. And we had to really train and develop every single kid in our program. And that's when, before you know it, everything that we were doing was transferring into these younger kids coming into our program. And they were learning from our older kids a lot of about how how we did things in our program and and how we were going to be. And our coaches had a routine with a whole new team, a whole new team of kids, but we had the same routine. And it was just easy for them to all pick up and move forward. And, and then now that's why we have the longevity that we've had is that, yeah, we might, we'll have our struggles and all that kind of stuff, but kids that were even cut from other travel ball programs would come to us, you know, Hey, we didn't make the team over at so-and-so We're, we want to try out for you. I didn't look at that kid like, Oh, he must suck. You know what I mean? I, I didn't think that I'm just, I'm thinking they must've missed out. You know what I mean? They must, they must not have seen what I see. And so plenty of times I've tried out kids that left another program or got cut from a program or didn't make a team or whatever it was. And we turned that kid into an all-star caliber player. And we did that a lot and we're still doing it. Right. And then you're seeing those guys don't want to develop players. Those guys want ready-made. It's it's too much work. Right. It's too much work. Ready-made players to go win tournaments. If if my kid ever plays travel ball, one thing he will never do. One thing I will never allow to happen is for him to be pimped. You're not going to play here one week <laughs> and go over here and help this guy, uh, his brand. You're going to play over here, win a tournament, so he can say he won a tournament. Because it, the only reason I say he'll never do that is because something gets lost in the process of becoming a winner. And they're, they're trying to bypass yeah. the process and put together an all-star team and call themselves winners. But the pro- it's, just like, it's just like the people who are poor – and they work real hard and they save money and they create businesses and they become wealthy and they stay wealthy versus the person who gets who wins the lottery. There's a difference, you know? Yep. I, I need my kid to go through the process of learning together and becoming winners together. So I, I could never allow my son to be pimp. And also they don't care about the kid. And one of the things that I want to talk on, this probably had to be the last topic about the caring of the kid is, how much you allow this kid to pitch. And yeah, the one thing about pitching too much, if there is a such thing, you, you're going to have to tell me, but people have to take care yeah. of their arm. Talk to us about arm care, throwing too many curveballs, playing for travel ball coach that wants to pitch people a million innings, whatever. Let's talk about how people get ran in the ground. Well, part of it – part of getting ran, ran into the ground is like some of these teams that are just really just trying to win. And that's what they're doing is they're going and finding the best arms that they can and they're not developing other arms. They're just taking the arms they got and they're throwing them out every single weekend. And they're throwing three, four innings, you know, on Saturday and then they're throwing five, six, seven, eight, any, whatever it might be the next day. There are some rules out there for, for innings pitch in a weekend for a lot of these tournaments. But there's also, for instance, that the high school ages, there are no innings limits. You can pitch your kid all, you can pitch a kid all you want when, once they're in high school um, as far as travel ball ages. So like that 14, 16, 18U, those levels, there really isn't pitching restrictions most times on that. Um, so, you know, that's a concern because even at that point, you know, kids in high school are still developing a lot. Their bodies, some kids have not grown yet. Some are going through the growth, the growing pains and stuff like that while they're trying to pitch. I've had kids had to get shut down because they got, you know, growth plate issues and stuff like that. The bone hasn't completely grown together, but they've been out there just, you know, throwing 30, 40 innings a season and stuff like that. Um, And they got these things going on. And sometimes even parents are pushing their kids to grind through. Oh, you're fine. It'll be you'll be fine. And sometimes it's the coaches also like, dude, man up have some nuts, you know, (laughs) saying things like that to a kid, you know, saying things like that to a kid 
can make them, you know, maybe want to grind through that. And, and really you should have been caring about that kid and really trying to find out what's going on. I know for sure with us, as soon as a kid tells me or gives me any kind of inkling that he ain't feeling it right now. Oh, he ain't pitching. It doesn't matter if we, it doesn't matter if it's bases loaded two outs and we're up by one run and I need you to go pitch this last batter for us to win another championship because I got nobody else I can put. Everyone else is either sore or done or never pitched before and don't want to pitch. I'm a, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to pitch you. That, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And, and if we lose because of it, and I have lost because of it multiple times, and nobody's there clapping for you, oh, great, great decision, Coach Jim. Way to think about the kids in the team. They're like, ah, oh, this dude blew the game. We should have won. That would have been another championship. You know, some people are like that. I, I'm thankful my, my parents are understanding and stuff like that because they get it. But a lot of other programs are not like that. And a lot of other parents are not as understanding of those situations. And that's where you got the pressure on the coaches to win. There is pressure on the coach because, for one, I want to keep that $500 rolling into me every single month. So I got to yeah, keep yeah. some parents happy. That's right. Real. And so by charging a ton of money, right? Charging a ton of money that some of these programs are charging, you're kind of got your hands tied in some ways. You know what I mean? And so you can't always do what you want to do. And you always got the microscope on you basically to go win because that's my kids only coming out to you because you're winning. So as soon as you start losing, I'm pulling my kid and putting them in another program. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of jumping ship, a lot of jumping around, a lot of sharing kids and stuff like that. And I don't share kids. I mean, some of my kids will go play for somebody else. They usually ask me or whatever, like maybe they got a friend on another team or whatever it might be. And it is what it is. I'm not going to completely control what, uh, what other people do, but I know I don't go and bring other kids from other programs to just come guest play. We have basically a farm system that I've built that like I will pull if my 12 year olds are short a kid, I'll pull one of my 11 year olds up to come play, you know, for us or whatever, if I have to whatever I got to do. And this all leads to arms, you know, and arm care. Like we want to make sure that for one, I'm taking care of all the kids in my program. I know all the kids in my program. We're developing all the kids in our program to be pitchers if they want to be pitchers. It doesn't matter if you can't pitch. Like I don't need you to know how to pitch right now as long as you want to pitch. If you want to learn how to pitch, cool. We will get you on the mound and we're going to start working with you, show you the mechanics. I really don't think it's that difficult, to be honest with you, to teach someone how to pitch. Um, there was someone I met maybe 10 years ago or something like that. And he's really, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of the guy. I don't really like a lot of things he's done. But it was one thing I heard him say one time. And he's like, I literally can teach anyone how to pitch. All you got to do is just stand right here, step forward and throw the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, the way, he's, the way he said that, I was just like, you know, it's crazy because it's somewhat true. It really is somewhat true. Yes, there's mechanics within it. There, there are certain things you need to do to prepare to pitch, all that kind of stuff. But to simplify it, it is almost that simple. And then if you can just – so if it's that simple, why aren't more people doing it? Why aren't we teaching more kids how to pitch? Because if we do that, now we have more options. Now we're not burning out a bunch of kids. And we don't know how many bullets every kid has. We really don't. We, we can sit here and talk about, oh, my kid takes care of his own. He ices every day. He does the bands. He, he sees his pitching coach twice a week. He's on a routine. He's building strength. He can long toss 300 feet. You know, I, people are kind of crazy with this stuff, you know, to some extent. And the thing is, just because your kid does all that now doesn't mean when he's 14, 15, 16 years old, he don't throw his arm out. Or 18 when he goes to college and throws his arm out. I mean, it can happen any given time. My kids had a couple little arm injuries or whatever, and it's not really had anything to do with, with pitching too much or anything like that. It's just one of those things that happen. You know, one of those, hey, dang, my shoulder, something, something felt weird in there. And, and a lot of it just has to do with you're growing, your body's changing over the course of being a teenager. And if, if there's any time we have to be really sensitive with the kids' arms, it's during that growing period. Once they hit that 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, at, when you're in little league, the mound distance is really short and kids are, are controlled with the pitch count, 75 to 80 pitches or whatever it is, the max, you know, there's a lot of, again, there's that control in little league safety reasons for, you know, are there for a reason and everyone lives by it. 
You know, there's there's people forfeiting games because they pitched a kid one pitch too many, you know, or whatever. And people arguing over it and stuff like that. People go crazy over pitch counts and stuff like that or whatever. Football, you know, it's just totally different. Kids are getting used uh, a complete different way. And I would say just a lot of people don't have a method. They don't have a real method to how they're using the kids. They just know I got to figure out how to get three outs in this inning. And this kid can pitch, so I'm throwing him out there. Or this kid's lights out, I'm going to have him win us a championship this weekend. And he's going to he's gonna pitch his ass off this weekend, next weekend. And then we're traveling to Texas uh, two weekends later. And you know what I mean? And it's just, it's one thing after another. And before you know it, those kids are getting burned out. These kids who we think are going to be studs someday. Oh, that kid's going to go somewhere. He's going to be something. No, they're getting burnt out. They're getting burnt out. Their arms are getting burnt out. And, you know, some of my conversations I have with kids is understand this. If you don't take care of your body and specifically your arm, your career's over. I mean, just like mine ended. Mine ended real quick when I realized my arm hurt every bat I had. It wasn't about not pitch being able to pitch anymore. It was I couldn't even make a throw across the diamond from shortstop now. You know, it's like I had to try and play second base and 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 deal with that and, and play there. But when I came up the bat, my power arm, which is my right arm, that's where I'm getting a lot of my power from, is weak and hurting and in pain. And I'm going up the bat with those thoughts. And so our kids are doing this. They're not always telling us because they are afraid sometimes to tell us these things are going on. And coaches aren't catching it. Coaches aren't seeing these little these little hints that our kids give us, you know, and, and they're not doing anything about, and then they also don't really have the solutions. They don't know. Like I've been through MRI process x-rays and, and been with the Stanford doctor and talked to me and this Stanford doctor worked with the Mets. He worked with the Chicago white Sox. He's done surgeries on major league pitchers. And I've seen my son's MRI and his shoulder and what that looks like. I've learned about all the muscles and everything that, and, and the tendons and everything in your arms. I've learned about all the growth plate issues and, and all the different ways you can, you can strengthen your arm and, and physical therapy and all that kind of stuff. I've literally done the research. I've gone through the process as my own personal self and with my kid and other kids. And so I know the exact process to help a lot of these parents when they're dealing with some of these issues we know what to do right away and we and we attack it right away. Like as soon as something's going on, boom, here's what we need to do right now. And I'm telling you, call the doctor tomorrow and get the appointment. And here's the step by step procedure that you need to do for us to get through this as quick as possible. Because dealing with doctors and stuff, you go see a doctor. The first thing the average doctor is going to do. Oh, you play baseball. Oh, you need to take at least two to four weeks off. You got you got little league elbow. Or you got tennis elbow or something or, oh, your growth plate. They're, they're telling you something they don't always know because how are you just going to look at an arm, not do any x-ray or MRI and tell a kid what's wrong with his arm? You really can't do that. It, it, it definitely could be overused. And a lot of times that's what it is, is overuse has, has become one of the most common reasons why kids are getting injured. It's not the curveball. It's not throwing five curveballs in a row. I probably one time threw at least five, six, seven curveballs in a row before. I've never had elbow surgery. I had rotator cuff surgery because I threw 200 pitches in a game before. I was pitching on a wet mound with, the, with it raining and it's muddy and I'm out there grinding for my team and nobody gave a shit about my arm. And then I had to pitch two days later or whatever it was. And then I pitched again. And then I went home and play wiffle ball for two hours in the street and chuck the wiffle ball as hard as I could at, at all my friends trying to strike them out. I did a lot of things wrong why I hurt my shoulder, you know what I mean, over the course of time. And the other thing I tell people all the time too, maybe I wasn't supposed to be a pitcher. You know, not everyone, just because you want to be a pitcher, doesn't mean your arm was meant to be a pitching arm. You know, there are kids I coach that can just, it seems like they got the rubber arm. They can throw every single day. They can throw the ball far. They can throw it hard and they can pitch often. And then there are some kids that it's like, they go out and pitch and throw one or two innings and they're like, coach, I'm done, you know, or whatever. And they can't pitch again for a week or whatever it might be. And it's like, well, you know, if that's all you can really do, maybe pitching isn't for you or whatever. So people have to consider that too is, be careful with the whole pitching thing, just in general, how much you're being used, how often are you pitching? And, and I'm not going to say there's actually a method to everything because every kid is different. Every arm is different, 
But one thing for sure is you need to take care of it. You need to stretch it properly. You need to make sure you're warming up properly. You can't be just rushed into a game. And that's another thing. Coaches managing the games that the kids are pitching in and just having a, having a kid who maybe just caught two, three games in a row and he's, he's a pitcher. And then you go throw him out there in the championship with the bases loaded and game on the line. And he's got to go hurry up and go get warmed up and go and go pitch. Probably not the best situation, but that stuff's happening every single weekend. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things like that going on. And, and so, yeah, there are risks that our kids are being put into, whether it's coaches, whether it's parents, whether it's the kid, you know, himself saying he's fine. There's nothing. I'm good. I got this coach and us rolling with it or whatever it might be. There's tons of reasons, but um, the whole curveball thing and all that stuff. I mean, I could probably talk for a half hour on that. It's just there. I've talked to doctors. I've talked to so many people. I've talked to other people that, that were, that were pitchers that were maybe more off speed curveball specialists and stuff like that. And ultimately what it comes down to is besides the overuse thing being the, the number one reason why kids are getting hurt. Um, it's the mechanics, the biomechanics of your body. Everybody has good biomechanics. And if you don't have good biomechanics, you are likely straining something, pulling something slowly, but surely. And over the course of time and overuse, and we don't always know when that overuse is happening because you could throw, you could throw one fastball and blow your arm out. One fastball. We've, we've seen it happen. I mean, Dave Dravecki, if anyone remembers him, you know what I mean? He lost his arm over, over playing baseball. A um, little different situation, but you just never know when, when some, you're going to throw a ball. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you have really good mechanics and you throw the curveball the right way and you throw the fastball the right way, you're going to have less chance of injury. It doesn't mean you're, you're immune, but you're going to have less chances. So having good mechanics, that's the number one thing. So again, is your coach, is your travel ball your travel ball program. Do they have a good pitching coach? Do they have a good pitching um, solutions for, for how to train your kid and, and tools to help strengthen your kid's arm and, and all that kind of stuff. Just, and I'm not talking about the gadgets. I'm not talking about rap Soto. I'm not talking about, um, you know, these, these different device. Oh, well, you know, here's, here's how hard you're throwing and all that stuff, how hard you're throwing all that doesn't tell me anything. You know, there, there are other things that we need to be doing with our kids out there, uh, to make sure that their arms are strong, make sure that they're being safe, make sure they're getting the proper rest between, uh, times that they're pitching and, um, and be willing to take a L, um, if, if a kid's not ready to pitch or, or isn't feeling it. And it is what it is. You know, most parents, if you if you have a good program and, and your parents are on the same page with you and everyone understands what you're doing, there there usually isn't someone that's going to argue with you um, that you 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 made the best decision for your team by losing a game because you just couldn't pitch a certain kid or whatever that you know if you would have left them out there, maybe you would have won, but maybe maybe now that kid's hurting. Now he can't pitch next weekend. Now maybe he's got to go see the doctor and, you know, and all, you know, and no one likes that. I, I hate hearing it, but realistically, I play in a game where guys get their arms hurt and you don't have to be a pitcher. Guys, arms are going to get hurt. It is going to happen. Um, I don't know how much arm injuries you dealt with in your own career or how your arm was over the course of your career. Um, I know you didn't, obviously you didn't probably pitch a whole lot. Um, I had you know, two I, rotator I cuff surgeries. You, you had how many? Two. What was that? You had two? Two, two rotator cuff surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know all about well, arm injuries, I mean, man. I heard my, no, I heard so mine diving, that, though. How do you think it happened? With, oh, with di both of them from diving? Diving. So that was just effort. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah. Back towards the base, too. Getting picked off. Trying to, you know. Um, so, I mean, listen, man. One of our kids. Yeah. One of our kids, we had that happen to. He's a dope shortstop, and he he got on base, dove back into second base, tore his right shoulder. He was a yeah. senior. Wow. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that sucks. It happens. Injuries are part of the game. Man. But but injuries what the arm injuries the that you dealt with, I mean, even though it was, you know, you that, those were hustle. You know, those were, hard, you know, you're diving into a play or you're diving for a ball or whatever, and it's kind of a freak injury or whatever. Um, but as far as throwing, like when you when you were a kid or even when you were coming up and you, whatever your arm throwing routine was to get warmed up for a game and all that, I mean, did you have any arm issues? Like, was it ever just really sore and you you had to be out there anyways? Or what? you ever deal with anything like that? No, because 
what you said is correct. Most arm injuries come from overuse. And we never played five games in a weekend, turn around, go practice every day, go play five games again and do this year round. We yeah. played two games a week. We had a limit on our practice. And once the baseball little league season was over, we were getting ready for football. Once the all-star was over, we was getting ready for football. Mm. Then we went and played. So we have, we always had plenty of rest. So nobody ever dealt with these armies. I think John Smoltz talked about this in his hall of fame speech about people yeah. going too much and playing too much baseball. Like you said, especially when people's bodies are developing, but I mean, we're all learning. This is new travel balls, new, everybody will adjust to it eventually. But the one thing I want to say before we get out of here, Jim yeah. is you might can teach everybody how to pitch but ain't nothing like standing on that mound. I think everybody that plays the game should feel that pressure. That's a different kind of pressure. The all eyes on you. You got it the is. ball. That's a that, that's the part of pitching that I think people can't handle is the, the pressure. So I yeah. got to get out of here, Jim, yes. and head to my PE class. But yeah. that was good talk. We went through the evolution of travel ball, how it went from being only the top-tier players to now everybody. We talked about people playing tournaments to win or to develop, playing multiple positions, arm care, and how to pick a travel ball team, man. I think it's all in there, man. Great episode. Yeah. Appreciate it. And Definitely. we'll be at it next week, man. You guys, once again, DM Coach Jim if you got any questions on this or myself if you want to talk about um, these, these uh, little league clinics we're doing. But until next week, man, we'll holler at you. Later. Later.